The Weekly Dish podcast is presented by Common Ground Minnesota. Food and farming conversations from Minnesota women in agriculture. Learn more at commongroundminnesota.com or follow them on Instagram at commongroundminn. Hey everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground Minnesota. Listen, food brings out the passion in people, so let's talk about food together. Common Ground Minnesota is an online resource for you to do that, and it's 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 run by volunteer women farmers from Minnesota of all walks. We're talking big farms, small farms, we're talking dairy, we're talking produce. These women in agriculture are growing and raising the food that we all eat. We love to have a chat with them about what it, what it means to be sustainable, and what does it mean when they're using pesticides, and why are they doing it. All of this is available at Common Ground Minnesota website. It's commongroundminnesota.com. And then on that new website, you guys, there are videos, there's you know FAQs, there's topics, there's a great blog, all sorts of things, and recipes. And farm dogs, too, by the way. So there you go. Commongroundminnesota.com is your great resource for everything food and families and farms. Don't forget, check them out on Instagram at commongroundminn. Weekly Dish here on My Talk 1071. I'm Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Hansen. We are here together on our first July Saturday. And boy, weather report, it's a little thick outside. <laughs> it's pretty great, though. but it's pretty great. I think that it's been, we've had a really nice weather week. I've been excited. I feel like anything not 90s. Great. Well, and I was at the cabin for basically You've two been weeks. at the cabin, I know, forever. Um, so I'm like, oh, I wonder what my yard's going to look like. I wonder what my garden's going to look like. Right, because you have that now. Yeah. But don't and you it's... have people? Well, no, <laughs> I didn't really have people because my people were with me for five days and then my people oh, got a job. Have... I just meant, did you hire people to do your lawn? No, I oh. thought about it and I was like, I, you know, two weeks. It's not like the field mice are going to come. It'll be fine. I got home. I think because it's so dry, the mm-hmm. grass has hardly grown. Yeah, it doesn't grow. The garden, you know, a few deer walked through and ate some choice lilies. But other than that... Which you're not going to stop anyway, by the way. No. And it's it's pretty dry. But I was like, wow, this this Minnesota native garden that I have holds up pretty well. That's nice. You know, if we'd... Ha- I think we had one day of rain while I was gone that yeah. was like a quick thunderstorm, but it deluged. Oh, yeah. We had like, we had a full day of rain. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, so- I mean, in different parts, because... I apparently had a full day of rain and my mom was telling me that she didn't have as much out there. Well, and in Ely, you know, every day there's forecasts for rain and it goes north or south. There's been no rain up there. So I've been watering the garden. And Are you guys under the fire alert stuff? Yes. Okay. It is. We have not had a fire up there. Well, we did, I think, early on in May, but we haven't since. It's very dry. Yeah. Nervous racking. The bears are starting to, like, come out and prowl around. I saw a big bear right you know, 12 feet from me. I was in my car. Yeah. Um, there's bear poop, scat, whatever they call it, on our trail going up to our house. 
I've seen some deer. Are a lot of people coming up north? I mean, yeah. are you seeing a lot more people this summer up there? Always. The Boundary Water permits are almost already sold out. But if you know people or you know outfitters or you know the lakes, there's always places to go. That I are, didn't realize that there was a limited number of permits. Yeah, there is. Huh. Um, but there are all lakes that are, you know, public lakes that you can find spots on. Yeah. I There's a spot. We just did this on my Instagram story, this place up the Dead River off of Burnside Lake. And there's a couple camping spots up there. It's so cool. The beavers are so cool. Like, it's it was nice just and quiet. And, yeah. Yeah. I really dig that. I've just there. cooked. Just You've just been cooking. And I know. cooked and cooked and yeah. cooked. And if you're asking me for recipes and I'm saying, oh, it's in the book, it's because it's in the book well, and also, I can't yeah, give up yo, all the goods. Let's hold off. Let's, yeah, like you, I every, want you to buy the book. You got to so be gotta patient. Wait. Are you getting a lot of people asking for the recipes? Some. Yeah. yeah. And they, they're used to me giving them up. I know. And I'm like, well, nope, not this one. Sorry. Yeah. Hope you buy the book. I have not been cooking that much. And it's just been like, and I've, I realize I've been like snacking. And then I've been like doing takeout, you know, because we're just still unpacking. Like I, think, I just found my pans, for God's sakes. I think this is because I'm home alone now for a little bit. Yeah. I think this is how your life's going to be. Because I went to Lund's yesterday and like bought a bunch of like snacks and salads yeah. and vegetables. That's well, all I, I bought. still like to cook, though. You know what I mean? Like, and you're doing like you're cooking so much. I'm sure that now that you're home alone, you're not going to want to cook a whole bunch of stuff. But I'm not doing the other side of cooking. You know, I still like and I still did like I did a bunch of salads, you know, and mm-hmm. I made things for salads. Yeah, and I salads did that. are great. It's just summer, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's summer's hard to get. Like last night I did uh, like I threw some brats on the grill and murdered them completely and totally, which I love just black. Yep. And then um, and then I I found some uh, Trader Joe's of that cauliflower, cla- cla- whatever I can't say it. Cauliflower. Cauliflower gnocchi. Oh, in the yeah. Freezer. That you like. And I mean, no, I've never made it before. Oh, I've heard it's great. I know. I Maybe took- Stephanie Myers talked about it. Elizabeth Reese. Mm. Yeah. E. Reese loves it. So I tried it and I was like, I kind of mucked it up. I mean, like it got really sticky and gummy and I think I just used the wrong pan and all the wrong things. Fine. But, um, it was, uh, but then it was like that and a bunch of arugula. Like, that's what I'm doing. It's like, they're not really, I can't even put a recipe up because it's not a recipe. It's just assembly. This has sort of been the angst of my summer because that's normally kind of how I cook. But I have to cook have according to, to this recipe that is going to look like this. And what's challenging is, is I have like one day I had literally eight pounds of kale because nice. it came in at the garden. Yeah. Another day I had all these turnips. So I have to make recipes when these things come in too. Yeah, you do. And you're then, right. You're like, right. So much lettuce. Wait, are you, it could, because it's garden. I it's mean, both. like garden focused, or it's like cabin focused. It's both because when we're at the the reason we made the garden at the cabin is yeah. so that we wouldn't have to go into town and get produce all the time. True was sort of the start of it. Yep. And so it's kind of both. And you know, pesto. Everybody wants to eat pesto in the summer. Well. Our basil's not done. It's not ready. So yeah. my basil's hor- my basil's dead. Like my mine went to seed. It got leggy and it went to seed. And it was just like it's. There's no point anymore. Yeah, you know and what I mean. Arugula too. Like I missed the kind of prime miss, window. Yeah, if you miss arugula, it goes crazy, weird, leggy, and, and then bitter, bitter. So you have to get it right at the right spot. Yep. So I've had to adjust. And you know, I was going to do a ramp pesto recipe. I can't because no. I don't have the ramps. No. So. Okay. Just evolving. Well, it's you fun, can. Though. You can fake it. Like, you know how to do it. You can That's still put it in thing, there. That's the other thing, though. Someone, and maybe it was you that told me this, 
that people don't want to buy cookbooks that don't have photos of every recipe. I, I think so. That's my f- f- feeling. I and don't I want think- it. Like, if you have all these recipes with no photos, I sort of feel like, what am I real? Like, I have to really sit and read and think about it before I make it. I'm not as... I'm not as captivated by it. I'm not. Compe- it's not compelling. Well, and I think I'll have a photo for probably eighty percent. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, but some anything, of them I'm just like, oh, like the books that put like the collection of photos in the middle. Like they do all the recipes, and then all of a sudden that there's was like a real a weird thing five, that was about like a publishing. Phase in the that 80s. was about printing that yeah. you could only have like eight color pages, and they needed to be grouped as together. A printer. Yeah, yeah I, I, that's a printing thing. I can just see it already. So it was cheaper that way. Yeah, probably. it was the way that they assembled the book with the folds and the folios. Yeah. So all about printing right there. That was always. I always just like I don't understand. I never. I mean. I don't think I cracked those books open again. You know yeah. what I mean? You and then look there's one. also, though, like the books that I buy my sister that she loves, those Pioneer Woman books, where it's 12 photos per recipe. That's kind of excessive, I don't want that too. either. But I do also, I was going to say, there's some things I don't necessarily need photos for, like breads I don't need photos for. You know, like Zoe and, and, and Jeff's, I don't need... As always, cakes, yes. But like maybe some of the bread recipe books, I don't need pictures for each loaf of bread. Right. Because that it's the same thing. Well, and I'll be honest, so much of the baking is going to be happening at home this fall. It is. Because I don't I don't want, in the summer, normally, normally Ely's fairly cool. And in May, it's like spring, very springy. June is wet and springy. July starts to be summer. August is, that month is like hot, hot, great summer, great swimming. And then you're done. Labor Day, it's over. And so you're sticking to that part? Like you're not going to maybe stay up there a little later this year? No. Just uh-uh. to, just because? Because you can't really, the island starts to freeze. I mean, the water starts to freeze. Like things get cold up there fast. Weird. So I'm trying to get the summer stuff in, the yeah. shots in, because then a lot of the baking I'll just end up having to do at home. Because it was also 95 up there. Yes. And so dry. <laughs> that is not... Yeah, not good. Yeah, so I'm not going to be, you know, cooking a cake that's going to take an hour to bake in the no. house. Just like, Rrr. by the way, she did bring me a cake this morning. Yeah, I did a she rhubarb me... skillet uh, coffee cake. Yeah, yep, yep. That's in the book. It's in the book. Okay, well, I'm not going to I... give the recipe out. We're not going to tease it. <laughs> no, I brought it for you because I felt bad that I didn't help you move, and you moved. You're now my neighbor in St. Louis Park. Yeah. I still don't know where your house is, but I might drive by. Well, you should. I mean, I've had a lot of drive-bys. Yeah. Like the 4th and you of went July, to the fireworks? I walked to fireworks. That was great. Like, it was literally like, I realized the entire, my entire block was like packed with cars. People were all driving in from everywhere else to park there to go to the fireworks. And I was like, oh, so I called, you know, I'm like, Allie Kaplan, come park in my driveway. Our neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> and so she parked in my driveway and we just walked down and it was like, I was like, okay, so next year I'll have a party. Because, oh, yeah. you know, if we're walking to fireworks, that's only three blocks away. Yes. That's how you do that. Yes. So that's the plan. Yeah, no, I mean, I met I met two of my neighbors. They were walking down the street. We stood at the end of the driveway and did a little chat, you know, for a while. How's your great. stove? Uh, my stove is okay. It has some issues. We're figuring it out. Okay. We burned, you know, things. And then now I can't get, I can't figure out how to get the broiler. It's not working. Okay. So I got to figure that out. Pilot light probably. No, but the on, the stove is on. Oh. The broiler itself just won't heat up. Oh. It's, I okay. know. Right. So that's, that's hard for a quesadilla gal. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, my God, I literally was like, I don't, what are we doing what, here? How are we going to cook? What, if we can't I don't understand. And, I, with the quick and broil. please no one tell me to put it in the microwave. That is not how no. we make a quesadilla. In fact, let's so. just stop buying microwaves, <laughs> except to heat coffee. Well, and that is another thing too. It's like, I was all excited because the microwave over, 
the stove had a vent and oh. it was pl- but it was plumbed out. Like this was the first one that it's actually through the roof, like plumbed. And it barely works. Oh, it barely works still. <laughs> I was like, all excited. Like, I guess little venting microwave secret. Yeah, Jake was like making spam, and I was like, well, you're gonna have to go shut my bedroom door because now the entire, the entire top level smells yeah. like spam. Yep. So. They love you. Little bits. Like, I'm not used to hearing people on their patios conversations, but I love that my grill is right outside my kitchen, yeah. which I haven't had for 20 years. So, little bits. Little bits. We'll keep going. All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. We have a great show. We're going to talk pizza next because I have some controversy and some things I want to chat about. I have so many restaurant questions, too, that came up on the Jason show. I cannot wait to get oh, your good. take on okay, it. Okay, we'll do that. And then we've got uh, we've got some things to cook when it's hot out because I know we had that. And then we have our first in-studio guest, yo. I know, it's exciting. 18 months. I know, in 18 months, first guy to come in. So we'll talk to him about the beer dabbler stuff. And we're going to have a great show. So we'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071, brought to you by Hornitos. By now you've heard about the crazy real estate market and how homes are going for multiple offers. Well, friends, if you're thinking about selling, call Carrie and Sue at Lakes Area Realty and get started so that you can take advantage of getting top dollar for your home. This is Stephanie Hansen from The Weekly Dish, and I bought and sold a home last year with the incredible team of Carrie Elks and Sue Durfee from Lakes Area Realty. The market moves really fast, and Sue and Carrie were able to help me get my home ready and on the market in three days. They even helped me hire a cleaner and a painter to make those finishing touches that can get you top dollar for your home. Carrie and Sue offer a free staging service where a professional stager comes into your home and tells you what pictures to take down, what furniture to move to the garage, all to get you top dollar for your home in this crazy market that doesn't seem nearly as crazy when you work with experienced people that listen to you and help you get your place ready to sell. Carrie and Sue at Lakes Area Realty are not a large team. Each time you go through a home, you deal with them directly. I had a great experience, so find Carrie Elkst, C-A-R-R-I-E, and Sue Durfee at CarrieandSue.com if you're buying or selling a house. That's Carrie and Sue at CarrieandSue.com from Lakes Area Realty. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us this second, or actually it's the first Saturday in July, isn't it? I think it is. First or second. Um, but that's it's kind of math. It's kind of, that's too much math already this morning. <laughs> Have you had your coffee? I'm sorry. I put I've had coffee and a piece of rhubarb coffee cake. Right. And now I'm full. Now you're full. I know. There it is. Now yeah, you're done. Just like, done for the day. Um, but maybe... You want some pizza because we have to talk I about always this. Want pizza. You always want pizza. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but in the food space, there was this uh, article that was put out. Um, Kate Crater in Bloomberg News. She put up an article about uh, the guys who authored modernist cuisine. Right, Nathan Mirvold? You've heard of him. Remember modernist cuisine and Nathan Mirvold? He's the super like nerdy Microsoft tech, you know, guy who basically sold. You know, sold all his shares and is a cajillionaire. And so then he starts, he's he's like a food lab nerd. So he takes his tech side and he does food and modernist cuisine and modernist bread is the, are these like 7,000 page cookbooks, but it's like five of them, right? And they cost like a thousand dollars and it's super elite, right? It's like this very niche thing. This is nothing that you or I would ever even. I think you lost me. Like when you, don't? you said, you don't tech know about guy. it. No, okay. the closest I get to that is Wiley Dufresne and his foams. Well, and that's I don't even know if that counts. This is different. Yeah, this is Nathan Mirvold, and he's got Francisco Magoya um, with him on this one. But modernist cuisine and modernist bread, and Mirvold is uh, is a guy who he wants to take things apart and understand them. Okay, so he's not just going to look at 
you know, like baking powder. Yeah, he's not going to look at a crust, a pizza crust. He's going to look at what are the ratios. What's the what does the water content do? What does the mineral water content do to that crust? I'm so bored by that. I know you are. You're not. I know. No, and I. But I'm not. I'm like it's an interesting part of the world of food and cooking. And you like Elton Brown, and you like what's that other guy that does the Michael Ruhlman with the ratio? Yeah. No, I mean I'm. I have room for that in my in my interests a span or whatever because i think there's something to say about it I, it does tend to be men by the way it tends to be men men like Ooh. food men like gear yeah no it tends to be this idea of like women and i'm sorry if this is going to be sexist i know and i don't That's mean okay, it to be but as a generalization women tend to have the feelings about food and the nurturing aspect of food we write cookbooks we are nigella lawson you know we are julia child you know still technically on but maybe a little softer and a more Bosomy is what I want to say, but and then you have that is sexist but hilarious. Yeah, I know, but and then because <laughs> the pioneer woman's bosomy too, Joey. Just because she's nurturey, <laughs> she's horribly nurturey. She's evil and nurturey, but she's on the wrong side. Anyway, she uh, so but then men, I think a lot of men try to break it down and they try to make a science and they they love the science side of it. Sure, like women are instant pot and men are circulation. Whatever thing. Oh, uh, what's the, the emergency circulators? Yeah, the sous vide thing. <laughs> yep, completely. So that's where I'm going with this. If we had to break it down, of course, people are crossover. I, and again, I'm super interested in the science of it too, but not to the extent. <laughs> so the point is, is that Nathan Mirvold and this Francisco Magoya, they traveled, they decided they were going to do a pizza book. They've done cuisine, then they did bread, and now they're doing modernist pizza. Um, so they traveled around the country and they said they ate 400 pies from coast to coast. And they decided that they uh, were going to anoint what is the best pizza city. Okay. Right? And so they've come... Is it? It's not New York City, because that would be too obvious. Is it Detroit? No. Right? Is it Austin, Texas? No. Is it Portland, Oregon? It is Portland. Oh, okay. Well I got done. it on the fourth try. Yeah, I know. Um, and it says... And it's basically... They said they went to Los Angeles, San Francisco, Detroit, Seattle, St. Louis, uh, Pennsylvania, you know, like New Haven, Connecticut, New Jersey, New York... Multiple boroughs, Chicago, Quad Cities, Illinois, Phoenix. They went around. They did not. They did not visit us. And I'm not saying that we're one of the great pizza cities, but we do have a pizza style. Um, but the thing is, is that what he said, and this was interesting to us. He goes, it means that there are multiple choices of great pizzerias in different styles. So he's so a great pizza city. You can't argue that Chicago for deep dish and New York for slice culture and all that stuff but he's saying yes those are great for one thing and he's like but then there's other cities that have to be great for you know um their multiple styles so they could have neapolitan they could have ingredient driven pizzas like that they have a wealth of those right so i don't think you can disagree with him in that way no but the harder part is that of course he's just from portland (laughs) (laughs) and i got tell you portland is a great town and of course they have great ingredients and they have creative chefs but um he basically calls out these three people or these two restaurants in portland that he super loves as the reasons why he thinks you know is sort of the iconic reasons behind it but here's what i think is interesting so if you were to say i mean like we i i think like if you haven't been i mean he hasn't been to like a lot of cities Mm -hmm. right so he wouldn't know necessarily like if we have different kinds of restaurants that are, you know, pizza restaurants that are, um, you know, that are worthy as whatever he's right. eating across. So I would say like our best Neapolitan is Punch. Would you say that? Black Sheep. Okay. I don't know. Is, is Black Sheep Neapolitan? I haven't eaten there in so long. I don't know if I would call it Neapolitan. 
Okay, then punch. Yeah, I don't know. I, I acquiesce to you because I love black sheeps. I love their margarita. I love their um, maybe it is ricotta meatball pizza. I think like the like that. I think them as a harder crust. I think of like black sheep has like a like a crispier crust and 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 I think punch has that floppy crust. Which That's I, why I don't like it. Is that why you don't like it? So you're yes. not like super big fan of that? No, only because what happens is is they cook so many pizzas. That the oven, I feel like, doesn't stay hot over time. So sometimes you can get a great punch pizza, and the, I want—I don't want my crust when I pick up my slice of pizza with my marguerite. I don't want my mozzarella sliding down the end of the pizza. But that should be like that every time with that. That's the—that's indicative that's the of the crust yeah. of that crust. Yeah. Um, but then do you? And then there's we don't really have a deep dish. We don't have a deep dish culture here, which is funny. I think sort of the closest to that in my mind is probably like the Green Mill once yeah. has a good deep dish. Italian pie pizza shop has a good yes, deep dish. I agree. Totally that. A good deep dish. And also uh Pezzo. Pizzeria Pezzo up in White Bear Lake, by the way, has a great pizza crust. Oh gosh, I'm dying for that. I and know. then we have the rectangle pizza kids with Frankie's, the Detroit style. By the way, Frankie's also has a great deep dish. Frankie's pizza in Maple Grove. Huh. Um, or in Plymouth Maple Grove. Um, okay, so then De- Detroit style is only fresh around here. I mean, like right. and across the country, actually the catching on of Detroit pizza is a big thing. Um, I think a lot of people were like, wait a minute, what? You know? Um, and I think that that is rectangle is kind of our, our you know. But Only, we have Jet two. Pizza. Yep. Jet Pizza is a, has always been a Detroit style pizza, and then there's one way out in Rockford called Dave's Way Back, which is good. That's the one you like. That's the one I've liked, and yeah. I do like. I do think rectangle is better, but it's like that's a nice like that's an old pizza joint kind of a thing. Yeah. So okay, so then we have thin crust. I mean, Randy's. Randy's. I mean, I like Randy's hand toss. Thin crust, crust, really? Like a style, though. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. Because who else? Like Ann Kim's pizzas are great. Right. Are they like, thin do we have crust? a style? Are they Those are creative. Those are. I Those would, are like artisan pizzas. Yeah, I would put that in that category for sure. Like, because like her all of her toppings and everything else. But she's a wood fired pizza. And like, what do you call Maverick's taco pizza besides completely and Junk. utterly delicious? <laughs> I mean, I know. with well, the chorizo and the fresh cilantro and the freshly fried chips on top, like that pizza is like, oh. I know. So there it is, you guys. That's the thing is like, I challenge you to find your best pizza in your town instead of worrying about what city has, is the best pizza city. Yeah. We're not going to Portland to eat pizza. Well, I might, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Hello, Weekly Dishers. Spring is sprung, and that means the best-tasting wild-caught seafood is available from Sitka Salmon. You may have heard us talk about Sitka Salmon before on the show, and that's because we are huge fans. Sitka Salmon standards for quality are unrivaled in the industry because, you see, Sitka Salmon is a community-supported fishery. The fish they process for you to eat are caught by a collective of small boat fishermen, fisherwomen, and families. Some of these families have been fishing for multiple generations. And knowing the boat your fish comes from is not typical of most fish you buy. When you buy a Sitka salmon share, you're getting the freshest quality fish you can, and you can trace the fish back to its source. With your share, you're part of the Sitka family, and you get monthly fish shipments of salmon, lingcod, crab, tuna, halibut, and you get the freshest fish while it's in season. They even have recipes, but I've been steaming my cod in my Instant Pot. The fish is so delicious, you don't even need to do much to serve it other than cook it and eat it. So Weekly Dishers, here is how you get your $25 discount for the first month of a premium Sitka salmon 
share. Type sitkasalmonshares.com backslash weekly dish and you save $25. So save $25 on your box. Again, type sitka, S-I-T-K-A, salmonshares.com backslash weekly dish and you save $25. Everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. We're happy to have you. Our show is uh, sponsored, actually, by our friends at Jim Beam and our friends at Hornitos. And have you had the Jim Beam highball yet, Stephanie, the can? In the can? Yes. In the can? In the can. I haven't had it in the can. I drink a lot of highballs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bring you uh, next week uh, the Jim Beam in the can highball cocktail. Because they brought me a couple and I want you to try it. Yeah, Yeah. bring them. I will drink them all very fast. (laughs) Always up for a highball. That's right. Um, Okay, so I should say, too, if you're interested in getting involved with the show in any way, we are starting to do more... Uh, second helping podcasts. We're starting to talk about getting out and about this fall. We're talking about our cookbook exchange, cookbook swap again in October. Yeah. Um, you can always reach out to one of us and we'll hook you up with someone from my talk. We've got some great reps that would love to talk to you to help you build your business because strangely, not strangely really, but <laughs> when people talk about stuff on this show, magic happens and people sell stuff. That's true. Uh, someone went into a liquor store that we just talked about recently and was like, I want the thing that they were that talking they were about. Saying. And the person was like, I don't know what the thing is. Can you tell me what the thing is? I know. That's the hardest part is that A, we talk fast. B, it's not written down. No, not always. <laughs> um, all right. So one of the things that I was at, I was on the Jason show while I was up at the lake. They the state fair food list came out and everybody weighed in on it. So we waited a couple days and then I weighed in on it. Oh, you did on this, on the station. Yeah. Overall, what were your just highlights, lowlights of the state fair food list? I, you, this is an ambush. I need to go look at it. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I I just, it was a lot of uh, sweet things. Yeah. It was a lot of biscuits and waffles and handheld items. Um, Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I Here's what I felt. I guess I felt that it was sort of in that uh, spot where it was not too much, not too little. I will tell you that I thought that the number, the 2627, felt good because I know that everyone's still going to add other stuff. So right. we're going to get up to like 30, 40. And last time when they were they debuted 30 or 40, then we got up to 50 or 60. And that's horrible for me. But. I, you know, I thought like bison bites from Giggles was a smart move and felt on brand. And you know, those are going to be great. Yes. And like the, you might be able to question them. I have learned not to question Giggles. No, they do they, a good they, job they, with whatever they I, do. Every time I think eh, it's good. And I thought everything from the Buffalo chicken doskit was just funny, like kooky enough, with, but also probably going to be really great. And then like, you know, limeade. Okay. Fudge and fruit. I don't care. Uh, you know, things like that. But then there's like the Kerala fried chicken kati roll. I mean, I'm in for that. I'm really excited about that. Hot Indian having kind of more of their own space in the food building. Yep. Do you think they'll bring back that one thing that was in a cone? Oh, that was so good. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that did. I don't know overall if people love that enough. I, I feel a little sad sometimes that these really great foods that people haven't heard of because they're not indigenous to us or they're just not things we're aware of yet they're so tasty that's that's what i'm excited about with hot indian because i think they can bring some of these foods that we haven't had before that are amazing yeah or that we just haven't you know ventured out into i mean there's plenty of people who do eat indian food and you know yes. what i mean like that's but a thing street food you know yeah. is a whole different thing yeah well and, fun. And, and definitely moving into a space you know the state fair brings hundreds of thousands of people across you know into exposure 
of your product or whatever. So, yeah. you know, it's like Sweetland Orchard. You know, it's like when the ballpark guys brought Sweetland hard ciders, you know, onto their menu, that was a that was like that was the world opening up to Sweetland. Yeah, and so, that's a great orchard. Yeah. I am excited for RC's the naughty biscuit, the pork belly topped with beer yep. cheese sauce. I'm gonna have that like a hundred times, I think. <laughs> I'm very excited by that. Oh, you're I funny. I know. Yeah, something that was on there that um I was weird, but I've had it was I had the Nordic waffle state fair entries. Yeah. And the one that they had with the ice cream sandwich tucked inside the waffle sure. with the caramel corn and yeah. it was really actually oddly delicious. Well, I don't that's not odd to me. It's a waffle and ice cream. But it's it was like, so it's nostalgic same, it's like a and corny tasting, which was kind of weird. Like the waffle, like literally oh, the taste with Kettle the corn, corn of the waffle with the creamy of the ice cream sandwich. I it was surprisingly good. Like why are you surprised by that? Be, I don't know because I was like, oh, that's not like okay, an ice cream sandwich wrapped in a waffle, big deal. But then I ate it and yeah. it ate like great. It's so funny because like that to me is like one of those I didn't even look at because I know it's going to be like it's a waffle cone. Like sure. we wrap our ice cream in <laughs> waffle cones or donuts. Yeah. So yeah. like to me, but did you try the chicken one? Yeah. How was that? Um, it was good. I just don't want. I'll be honest. I don't want a waffle with a chicken leg in it. And it's a two-hander. And what do I do with my beer? And then I have this bone. Like, I just didn't know. Yeah, okay. That's how I felt about it. Um, I have, yeah. And Well, I have feelings. Like, my waffle thing with these guys is that I want it to be, it's going to be have to be, I'll be sweet. Because I don't want a sweet waffle with something savory. Yeah. You know I what can, I mean? Like, yeah. that's my thing with that. But if their mac, their mac and chicken looks the like on its own. The mac is great. Yeah. The but I don't know. Great. Like, I'm not going to judge it until we get there. Okay. Um, all right. So that was the first part of the segment. But the second part of the segment got me really thinking. And I wanted to weigh in with you because they asked the audience some restaurant questions. Oh. And so many questions came up about tipping. Ah. And we haven't talked about this in a while because so many people are changing the service models. Right. So I want to ask you just some of the questions that they asked me and get your take on it. Are you ready? Yep. Because I'm, I'm going to pull an article up while we're doing this. Okay. How much do you tip on takeout? Was a question because people have been doing all kinds of takeout. Um, okay. Uh, I generally just, and I'm not saying yeah. I'm right. I'm just saying what I legitimately do. Yeah. I generally would tip 15% when I order at the takeout situation that I'm paying online. And then when the driver comes, I give them five bucks. Yeah. I mean, that's generally what I do. Yeah. I, 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 I am, I am not consistent with my tipping and takeout. I don't, although you, I don't do a lot of takeout. So I, if there's a tip line, I throw, I never do anything under three bucks on a tip line, okay. no matter what. So even if it's a dollar fifty, you know, or something, I'm in a three bucket. That's interesting. Okay. I know. And I have a weird feeling about that. But how much do you usually tip delivery drivers? So like if I order a pizza, I don't, I sometimes give five bucks, but sometimes I'll just have three bucks in my wallet and I'll throw them three bucks. But I do that online and I do the tip online. So I am now doing 20%, which I don't want to be doing because there's also they have a delivery thing. I don't know. That's weird. Now that I think about it, now that you asked me that, I think I do 15 to 20% for pizzas. Okay. But I also know that if they screw something up or if the next time, then I don't. Like, okay. I let that tip be effect retroactive. What do you think the standard tipping amount is these days when you go to a restaurant? I think people are tipping 20%. I still think they're tipping 20. And I think that maybe they're going back to 15. Um, the Atlantic article that I was talking about, I won't go into the whole thing of it, but basically it's the t pandemic really did change how we tipped. And um, 
that basically people were over in the pandemic, people were way yeah. over tipping, yep. like way over tipping. And now it's starting to come back and it's like it's sort of affecting people and, you know, and like how they were compensated, their feeling. Well, because the standard tip used to be 15 percent. And then on the coast, it was kind of 18 percent creeping up to 20 percent. So yeah. now I feel like the in the Twin Cities, I usually always tipped 20 percent on the whole bill. But like my mother-in-law figures out what's tax and like takes that out of the equation and gets real like nitpicky yeah, about that. I'm just too lazy, quite honestly. Yeah, to me too. I'm just pre-tax. like, what's 10 percent of this bill? It's this. And then I double it. Yeah. Yep, I do that. This one says uh, a restaurant and distillery in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, the average tip shot up to 25% last spring, allowing waiters to bring home close to what they were making before pandemic, even with a fraction of the tables filled. Um, they were saying that they've got like 20 bucks at least, you know, per like just handed 20 bucks right. a day, you know, from someone almost every single day. But the basic, the question is, will hazard tipping, that's what they're calling it, because yep. people feel guilty and they feel scared. Will it fade as well? And that's this whole thing of trying to understand really what tipping is and does. And it's very polarizing, you guys. And I know that the whole thing of the service charges are out there. And oh, that's my next question. Okay. If there's a 20% service charge, are you expected to tip your server more? Was a question that was asked on the Jason show. So here's the situation with the service charges. I think people are putting service charges out there. And then there you have an, you have an, and that allows them to then manage funds, right? Or manage wages and things like this. The question is, there's it's a twofold thing. One, let's just address the tip situation. They will put, some of them will put a tip line on the bill and some of them won't. That is optional. That's always optional. Tipping forever has always been optional. It is always your choice. You could leave $0. That you'd be a pretty bad human, but... I mean, if in the prior days, but now you have to make a decision. And so now, even though that you knew that you were a bad human before, there's a guilt factor, right? So if, even if they say, you you know, tipping is optional, there is a service charge, um, you know, that covers employees' wages. So now you have to decide, am I going to add on to that? And does this go, and what am I, is this going just to this person? I hate so much the way that yeah. that was just described. Yeah. Because if this money, this service charge that you're charging me goes towards employees' wages, you should just be factoring that into the menu price of me coming into your restaurant because that's the cost of business of coming to your restaurant and the wages you want to pay your employees, which is your absolute right to do. Yeah, that's and Augustine's in St. Paul is doing that exact thing. But it's confusing when. Well, and this is the part where then you and have, who gets the service charges. Well, and this is that's also the thing is like so then there was a restaurant. I can't remember who it was, but I heard a diner talking about how she went and then this like, you know, it's this whole thing of they knew that everyone there was no tipping at this restaurant anymore. And then the bill came and there was a tip line. And she said, oh, I thought that you guys were not doing tipping. And she's like, well, so many people have said, I really want to leave a tip. Like they have begged for the tip line to come back, that they wanted to do that and give the money. And so then it's sort of, but to me, like you have to either hold your line. We have to either change the culture and hold the line or you have to do all tipping. And then, and then I don't want to see your service charge. Like if we are doing tipping again, because the idea of it is, is it supposed to be equity of, you know, right. of, of, uh, of everyone front and wages. back of the house. And for instance, this person said, well, you know, that's not a tip, the service charge. 
And she said, and I said, did you ask her how much she's getting paid hourly then? And here's the other part. So now we're having people who are getting paid. No one is getting paid $15 an hour, yo. Right. It's 18 to 20. This is what the going rate is. So it's not like they're like not getting this hourly rate. They are. And now the service fee is going to kind of make sure that the kitchen guys are getting more and all this kind of stuff. And so that we don't have to compensate them. Like that's, that's the gift of no tipping is that because honestly, if you're putting a tip down, you don't know how much that person's getting hourly. You don't know where the money's going. So why do we have to be a part of that? I don't, that is my feeling. My feeling is if you want to pay a living wage at your restaurant, you should. Mm -hmm. And please do that and tell me that and explain it to me. And that's great. I love it. Good for you. And I will continue to support you. Yeah. But then if you say it's a service charge to pay your employees what you probably should have paid them or need to pay them to be in a competitive environment, then I just hearken back to my business days. And then you're saying if there's a tip, you don't want that. Yeah, because like Vista, I was a printer. Vista Print charged $37 for 500 business cards. I had to charge $54 for 500 business cards. Was I online as competitive as Vista Print? No. I had to find other ways to get people to continue to do business with me because I wasn't the lowest price. I couldn't be. Right. This is what that is in a restaurant setting. And I still had to pay my employees to come and print those cards. I still had to provide health care. I still had to provide benefits. And if I would, what a lot of people are like, well, we can't charge $15 for a burger because everybody else is charging 10 Well, yeah, you can. That's called commerce. And you have to compete in that environment then. I think that it's a little bit different because people have different feelings about all this stuff. And the other side of it is the fact that everything is getting more expensive. You can't, there's no, it's $15 a burger plus right like it's not like we're moving up into 20 and 30 dollars a burger and that's going to be the problem but but the shortage is the truth of the tipping piece of this and that we have to take a break um but the the truth of it is is that it's nobody really knows and and there's people who are having a great time who who have found a really good space by working in an environment where there's no tipping and they found they like this kind of opportunity. And then there's others who are still thinking, how is it going to go? Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? And there are servers who are for it and servers who are against it. And I don't know. I don't know. I just think like for me, if there's a service charge and by the way, if it does say there's a service charge and this is not a gratuity accordance and then they give you like a statute, that's merely just to say, because our tipping laws are so weird, they can't, they, Call it they can't. Tip. They're not yeah. saying like, "Hey, by the way, this isn't a tip, so tip." They're just saying that the law is said we have to. Because there's this. been lawsuits that yeah. have been adjudicated about that. Yeah. All right. Okay. We're gonna take a quick break, you guys. We are gonna have. Oh, we do have Rebecca on the line. We're gonna ask. We're gonna take her question when we come back. Yeah, because we're doing Ask Stephanie. Because right. I didn't even get to ask you how much you tip on a drink at a bar. So maybe you want to call in six five one six four one one zero seven one and weigh in on this tipping. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So give us a call, 651-641-1071, if you want to weigh in on the tipping thing, if you have anything to tell us. Let's take Brian. Hey, Brian. Brian, are you there, Brian? I am there. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Okay. You're taking a cue from your theme song. Yeah. You're in a restaurant. You're looking forward to a yum meal. What makes it yuck? What makes it? Undercooked. Yes, I would say that I would say that uh, if you are in a space, I think the thing that is the yuck in the in the meal would be something that's undercooked or under seasoned. Okay. Yeah. Undercooked is the yuck. The under season you can add salt, but well, yeah. Too bland. Yeah, but if it's like nothing, that's kind of a yuck. Like you can salt it up, and then you're just eating salt. Yeah, that's a problem. Exactly. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Bye.
Okay. Well, how much do you tip on a drink at a bar? How much do you tip at a drink on a bar? Because um, we did not get the chance to dissect that. Okay. I think that you can um, tip. Okay. So, and just remember this. I was a bartender. And so sometimes people would order like $60 worth of drinks. And then all of a sudden they would throw me like the 50 cents back. No, like yeah. it would be like fifty nine thirty seven, and they'd the, keep the change. And I'd be like, really? Okay. So I would say that I usually tip out, I sort of give um, the dollars, I, I give whatever rounded up, but now I guess I'm doing, I'm doing the same thing. I'm rounding, I'm giving like 20% of whatever it is. Okay. I'm so a 20 percenter. Like I in my mind, too, but I'm a 20 percenter. Like, you're at a bar and you've got like, I was at a bar or a, a beer tub in Ely and they gave me three Paps tall boys and I got a Bloody Mary and the bill was $20. And I handed him $20, and then I was like, but I need some change. And he was like, oh, well, I don't have change. I was like, well, then I can't tip you, dude. So what should we do here? And I'm like, here, you see that tip bucket there, all those ones? Why don't you count out 21? So you keep, give me 15, you keep five. Like, and he oh. was like, five? Like, he thought that was too much. I was like, no, I'm giving you a $5 tip. Give me 15 ones back. Yeah. I don't know. There's a hard part where someone is just handing me something like if someone's making me a drink or pouring me a bunch of things and I'm sitting there, someone's at a beer tub handing me a beer and that's all they're doing is flipping the top for it. That's a harder piece for me to sort of like give a 20 percent. We got into a conversation too off the air that I think is an important distinction, and that is between service. Yeah. And what was the people? What are we tipping on? Are we tipping on? Tips used to be about service. Tips used to be about, you know, it was a reward for service. And now, and granted, this goes back even farther into a lot of difficult, problematic things. But tips used to be about service, and then it became about wages. And so that's where, and that's a, that is an industry issue too. And and I don't want tips to be about wages, but what you pointed out is, well, the government taxes tips. Yeah, they tax tips Therefore, they treat it like wages. Yeah. So I want the responsibility to be on the owner of the restaurant to compensate for wages. But the way that the government has set it up, they treat tips like wages, too. Right. And what do you do if and this is like that restaurant who's saying everybody is asking me to give that they want to give this money. And it's like, what do you do about that? I, and well, and tipped, saying, don't I tipped no. on those lines and they don't charge it, which is also interesting to me. I had that experience recently. That's illegal. I tipped they a lot. To, they have to run your tip they they that's illegal oh they didn't i tipped a lot to an owner of our restaurant because they did something extra special for me and they didn't run the tip huh okay we have ann on the line and how are you doing today oh we're wrapping oh. up and hold on we'll get you yeah, a call we'll on get the you other right side back. okay Thanks. hold on hold on we'll be right back you guys weekly dish on my talk 1071.